Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. There's a senator who might lose his hand. Kevin Kramer in North Carolina. It's the craziest story ever. He had some kind of issue at his home. He was working in the yard. And now... He has a high risk of infection. And, well... There's a possible need for amputation. In case you were wondering whether or not you were having a good day. Good Lord. What a what a crazy, crazy story. If if I find out that he was like mowing the lawn and it got clogged the lawnmower got clogged and he was trying to unclog it, I'll go crazy. You know how many times in my life I've told my children not to do that? Oh no, I don't get me wrong. I make them mow the lawn that's that's their job i bought the lawnmower so they can mow the lawn i feel good about it i sometimes sit and watch them do it as i smoke a cigar i am that father i figure i work 24 hours a day six and a half days a week you can mow the lawn tony katz tony katz today i hear he reached in i'll lose my head Meanwhile, I wish nothing but the best for the man. That is absolutely crazy. But it's, it, I mean, it just came across. Like, all right, that's a nuts story. I think the crazier story is what a low-rent thug Joe Biden is. Thug. All they ever told me was that Donald Trump was so mean, so rude, so crude. Has anybody been paying attention to Joe Biden over the years? If you don't know if you're going to vote for me or Trump, then you ain't black. Hey, fat. Um, uh, he's screaming at reporters all the time, snapping at people. Oh, don't say that. You sound like a Republican politician. I mean, it's, it's constant and continual. That he's just this angry, angry, bitter guy. But this is even for him. Low. And the story here is that he wants to play tough guy with the oil companies. He doesn't like the fact that that you've got uh, oil companies that are making all this money. Who do they think they are making all of this money? While the, uh, while, while the country is dealing with these high oil prices, well, we, we can't have this. We got to do something about this. This is simply unacceptable. Now, the oil companies are telling you that the oil prices you see right now, um, this is the way it is. And we might have it this way for the next five years you've got the ceo of exxon darren woods is his name 
you're probably looking at three to five years of continued fairly tight markets. How that manifests itself in price will obviously be a big function of demand, which is difficult to predict. If you want to get upset with an oil company, with an Exxon or a Chevron for for making money, you're, you're more than welcome to. But you sound like a crazy person. What do you want them to do? Do you want them to not? Would it, would it be better? Do you win something if they're not? Do you feel better about yourself? Are you paying less for gas if they don't? That's the question before us. That's the question before us. Are you somehow better off with them making less? Do you win something? Do you get a cookie? You don't get anything. Only the most foolhardy communist sympathizers amongst us who believes in expropriation and government control of these companies would go for this kind of talk. Enter Joe Biden and the nonsense of the Progressive Party. I caught this. This was uh, uh, Sherrod Brown, Senator Brown, talking about corporate greed. I was like, oh. Now, his voice is... um, Unpleasant, And, of course, he is walking away from the Senate. That's where you've got this uh, Senate race. And, and, and you've got uh, Tim Ryan of Ohio, the Democrat, going up against J.D. Vance. Right? Big, big Ohio Senate race. This is Sherrod Brown. Housing and Urban Affairs Committee will come to order. Today's hearing is in the hybrid format. Our witness, of course, is in person. Members have the option to appear either way. We welcome the chair of the Federal Reserve, uh, has recently been confirmed for a second uh, term and has, um, this is his first hearing since then. We've seen today, we've seen the fastest growth in decades, faster even than China's, the lowest unemployment levels in 50 years. When Americans see the price of gas and groceries and rent going up week after week, available jobs and long-awaited wage gains don't mean as much and don't go as far. American families have been through enough the past two years, but for most people, it's not just the past two years that have been tough. Our economy hasn't worked for most Americans for far too long, whether it's war or disease or financial crisis or sweeping over all of it, the march of globalization, workers and their families always bear the biggest burden, whether it's in the form of higher prices or lost jobs or low wages or devastation to their community or all of the above. It's not inevitable. This economy, the economy isn't physics. The ghost of Adam Smith would not recognize America today. There is no invisible hand of the market. When prices go up, it's because someone made a choice to raise them. I should be allowed to use four-letter words on radio. Four-letter words, five-letter words, six-letter words. I should be given time to create new words to call Senator Sherrod Brown. Never mind that I would doubt highly, although I, I stand open to being surprised that he could give me a solid dissertation on the thoughts of Adam Smith. I'm willing, willing 
to think that he somehow has uh, this uh, data. By the way, I, I knew parts of him. He started with a degree in Russian studies uh, and then got his uh, master's in education and public administration. So I'm going to I'm going to leave it at that. You cannot argue that the market doesn't work because you don't like what other people are doing. The market would work much, much better if you were participatory in that market. But you are not. You choose not to be. What you choose is not to engage drilling in the United States. You choose to avoid energy security. And then you wonder why it is that we have a a marketplace where prices can get so high without a discussion of the inflationary pressures. Without a discussion of the shipping, without a discussion of not bringing on more refineries because of your own environmental insanities. The idea that this exists in a box, that this exists in a vacuum, and the only problem is greed. First, there is no such thing as greed. I take all comers on that subject. And secondly, you're not even participating in the market. You're reacting to it and then are upset by the reactions that you have. Good Lord, does that sound like somebody who's engaged in a leadership conversation? Does this sound like a leader to you? Station to their community or all of the above. It's not inevitable. This economy, the economy isn't physics. The ghost of Adam Smith would not recognize America today. There is no invisible hand of the market. When prices go up, it's because someone made a choice to raise them. In corporate boardrooms, when supply chains slow down or input costs go up or resources become scarce, executives make decisions. Do we cut back on bonuses? Do we rethink our stock buyback plan? Do we forego executive raises this year? Do we post quarterly profits that are still higher than last year, but maybe not quite as high as analysts thought they could be? Or, or do we raise prices and foist all the negative consequences of world events onto the people who can least afford them? We know what in this country most corporations do. Commie talk. By the way, Adam Smith died in 1790. I am pretty sure he wouldn't recognize America for a whole bunch of reasons. Producer Ari, tell me to just calm down. Just calm down. You shut your face. I I cannot stand these people. I cannot. I can't. I, I can't. I cannot stand these people. They are so terrible, so incredibly, incredibly awful, so wholly and totally ignorant. Ah! And I don't think that covers it. By the way, I'm right, right? He, he died, he died, yeah, he died in, in, in 1790. That's, that's it right there. Thank you. Thank you so very much. But look at how surprised Senator Brown is. You mean a company, instead of absorbing all the costs that come with inflation, they passed along the costs? Who do they think they are? It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing that somebody could be surprised 
or shocked by this. It is... Sherrod Brown watched progressives like himself live in fear of COVID and tell everybody they had to wear a mask morning, noon, and night, and then watch those same progressives go on vacation mask-free in Florida. Why do you think that was? Is it because they could be mask-free and a bit warm? The answer is yes and yes. The only people surprised by this are the people like Sherrod Brown. Except, of course, if he were to go on vacation and be mask-free. I don't know if he did that or he didn't, but you get my point. There's no understanding of the economy here. This is an attack on the economy from the people who have chosen not to let it work. And then these are the same people led by President Biden who take a look at uh, oil company CEOs and says, why aren't you doing more? Why aren't you more caring of the, the experience of the American people? Why aren't you more helpful? And then when they don't answer properly and they engage in criticism of the administration, the Joe Biden, the dictatorial fool in chief, mocks them. Yes. The question on the Chevron CEO's complaint today, he said that your administration has largely criticized the oil and gas industry and at times vilified it and that the administration would need to take a change in approach in order to make progress on, on reducing energy prices and to increase supply. Do you have a reaction to that, sir? It's mildly sensitive. I didn't know they'd get their feelings hurt that quickly. Look, we need more refining capacity. Build more refineries. He's mildly sensitive. I didn't know they'd get their feelings hurt that quickly. He's smiling. This is how he treat. How many people are hired by these companies? You know how many people the Bidens have hired in toto? Um, well, uh, um, unless uh, you count whatever lawyers they need to figure out what exactly they have to shield themselves from vis-a-vis a laptop, the answer is zero. Dr. Jill Biden never once signed the front of a paycheck. Hold on, wait. Double check me. Jill Biden never hire anybody? Double check me on that. I'd hate to be wrong. Those oil companies, those awful, terrible oil companies, hire tens of thousands of people and provide lives and livelihoods. Never mind providing a product that we all use and utilize. Because we can't get our cars moving around on Biden's gas baggery. They create the issue and then complain that other people are reacting in a rational way. That's madness. Absolute madness. Don't pin it on Adam Smith. I question whether some of these people could spell Adam Smith. Pin it on no energy policy at all, no desire for energy security, and an actual want to hurt the country energy-wise so they move into the green ideals that you fantasize about. Sherrod Brown, Senator Brown, you, President Biden. Your plans don't work. Your radical desires don't work. I'm Tony Katz.
tech layoffs. Caught this story yesterday. I was like, that's an interesting point being made that we have witnessed a fair amount of tech layoffs over the last couple months. Just part of the conversation of when they tell us that, that the fundamentals are strong in the economy and uh, what does that have to do with the price of gas at $5 a gallon, by the way, or the lack of things on the shelves? Does this show a, a, a strength in the economy? Now, layoffs happen. Firms and, and, and companies in tough times, they, they have to get lean. They have to make sure that they're able to survive. That's, that's part of their job. No one is entitled to a job or owed a job. That, that's just not the way it works. But they point out that there's a site called Zumper or a company called Zumper. It is the largest privately owned rental platform in North America. Never heard of it before. They're laying off 15% of its workers. Tesla, Elon Musk, laying off 10% of the salaried workforce. Redfin, which is a real estate brokerage online, you can look up houses, what's your house worth, etc. They're going to be getting rid of 470 employees, 6 to 8% of the workforce. And they had sent out an email it's like, oh, like a week ago, a week or more or so ago. I said we wouldn't lay off people unless we had to. And then he continues, does the CEO, we have to. It's interesting. Starting to see these these layoffs. I would argue that layoffs happen, and we've seen them in good times as well as companies readjust, rethink. But if you tell me that the fundamentals are solid and all you want to tell me are the fundamentals are solid and nothing else but the fundamentals being solid, I think I've got more to debate with than you do. Well, at least than they do. One man's take. This is Tony Katz Today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Well, because family balance sheets are strong, because we've been able to get the unemployment rate down, we're starting from a, a relatively strong position right now. So, um, and we, because we've, we've seen the economy able to weather some of these storms that have come over the past year, that gives us some confidence that um, should uh, oil prices continue to be high or maybe go up, which would be horrible, but um, you know, we think that, that there's enough of wiggle room that businesses and families will be able to, to make it through because they have resources to fall back. You have resources to fall back on. You've got loads of cash. Why do we need to even think about recession when you'll just spend even more money that you've already been spending because of the high cost of everything? But Joe Biden is here to save you. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Always a pleasure to be with you guys. He is now going to ask for a suspension of the federal gas tax, 18.4 cents per gallon through September. He's also going to look to states to suspend their gas tax. The question is, does suspending the gas tax actually help Americans in the long term? 
I could understand any money you're spending less is more money that you're keeping. But what does it do to all of us? Is this the right maneuver? Dr. Matt Will joins us right now, economist at the University of Indianapolis. You find him at Dr. Matt Will on the Twitter box, Dr. Matt Will, W-I-L-L, on the Twitter box. And I texted you a, a basic question. Does suspending the federal gas tax help uh, with, uh, you know, help with inflation? And your answer was 100% no. Break it down for me. Well, okay, 100% no at the state level. Okay, if we have, it's very important to distinguish between the two, Tony. Cutting this gas tax at the state level is a good idea. It doesn't cause inflation because the, the state government can't print money. They can't create more cash. They can just take money out of your right pocket and put it in your left pocket. They can't print money. The federal government decreasing the gas tax can cause inflation if they do it in the temporary sense, like Biden wants to do. Because what he's going to do is it's simply going to increase the deficit. It's not going to cause any growth in stuff. If he wants to cause growth in stuff, he needs to make it permanent. A permanent gas tax cut, eliminate it completely, that would cause growth in more stuff, even though it's still going to cause more cash to be printed because the government spends on deficits, and that's just printing of money, the federal government. It's going to cause inflation there. But if we have a permanent reduction in the gas tax, that will stimulate some growth, and that will negate the inflationary effect. But that would be looking at uh, a Democratic Party that doesn't cut taxes to cut taxes. That would be for part of the, the members of the party. That would be uh, going against some of their core values. So that isn't going to happen. It looks to this suspension, or this, I should say the suspension, looks like the idea of showing you're doing something as opposed to actually doing something. It's when you hear from uh, White House officials like I was just uh, sharing. That's Heather Bushy, B-O-U-S-H-E-Y, maybe pronounced Boucher, part of the White House Council of Economic Advisors, saying that there is this wiggle room. You hear this constantly, that uh, Americans ha- ha- are, are, are well secured. They, they were able to save during COVID, and they can weather uh, this storm, which they still want to make an argument of as, as transitory, as you see it. And you, you know we don't want to talk about whether or not you predict a recession, Do the fundamentals show that Americans are in a financially solid place to deal with higher prices, whether it be gas or whether it be meat or whether it be retail goods? The answer is no, Tony, because if you look at the Bureau of Labor Statistics just last month, we're looking at the the disposable income and the savings rate of households is declining. We're saving less money. Tony, not only are we saving less money, the value of your investments has dropped 20%. I don't know who on the radio here listening you know, is advanced in math, but if you're not, I think we all know that when you lose 20% of your savings and you're saving less money, you don't really have the wherewithal to, to, to withstand a recession or whatever this press secretary is trying to tell you. Well, it's, it's not just the press secretary. It's not just Corinne Jean-Pierre. It is a constant, continual, moving message. Now, the question before us is, how does that message move markets? When we saw the Federal Reserve increase uh, interest rates by three-quarters of a point, we saw move up 
uh, in in the stock market. And normally I'd say that's the weirdest thing in the world. You explain, and you have explained on this show, that that's the kind of thing the market wants to see because they want to see the Federal Reserve doing what they consider to be the right things to deal with this inflation. This three-quarter point move too much at one time, or was it not enough or the right move? It was the right move, Tony, and what was even a better move is they signaled they're probably going to do it again in July. So those were some good signals. But it's like it's like uh, we're squabbling. We have a civil war between the Federal Reserve Board and the federal government because they, the Federal Reserve is doing the right thing, Tony. But what Biden announced today is the worst of all possible things because it's temporary. So it's going to cause inflation. State taxes reduction, state reductions in gas taxes has no inflationary effect. Federal government of a temporary nature can cause inflation. So he's going to cause inflation. He's going to put more money in your pocket, but it's going to be worth less. This is totally against what the Federal Reserve is doing. They're fighting each other. So who wins that fight? I mean, because I mean, when we if if, if it's you and me on the bar stool, sir, right, and and, and we're ha- we're having a, a a bourbon or a scotch, we're smoking a cigar. This fight has to get won by somebody. The government can continue to do ideologically anything it chooses, but Wall Street is still Wall Street, and Wall Street can ruin your chances of a reelect, even though his chances of reelect, based on the expertise of uh, of others and my own analysis, is extremely limited, if not totally zero. Who wins this fight? Oh, here's the answer you don't want. It doesn't matter who wins. I can't predict who wins, but I can tell you who loses. Like in a divorce settlement, both sides are going to lose and the lawyers are going to win, which means the citizens are going to lose, Tony. They're going to lose in this equation because there's going to be a recession, which we know is coming if it's not already here, because the Fed has to take tough action because they were too late to take the action they needed last year to prevent it. And the federal government, through Biden's spending policies and and silly temporary tax policies, are going to make the recession worse and give you more inflation. So we're going to be the losers, Tony. Is there any winners? I don't think there's a winner anywhere in this equation. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. Your take. This is President Biden. And he was asked a question while he was vacationing in Rehoboth Beach. This is after the bike fall. And he was asked a question about the economy and where economists are. I, I, I promise. Not the majority of them aren't saying that. Come on, don't make things up, okay? Now you sound like a Republican politician. I'm joking. That was a joke. He needed to let you know it was a joke. Economists saying that recession is more likely than ever. Now, I don't know if you ever get polled when they poll economists, sir. Maybe they forgot your number. I don't know. Maybe maybe you were out that day. I'm not, I'm not so sure. Um, the economists you talk to, because look, look, I talk to other radio hosts, uh, producer Ari. I don't, I don't know if he talks to anybody else, honestly. But you talk to other economists. Uh, anybody saying, "Oh yeah, this is gonna, it's going to be an ugly 2023"? Is that is that without prediction? Is that the sentiment? Yes. Right now, my colleagues that I talk to are very concerned. Even the ones on the left are very concerned, Tony, that 2023, heck, 2022 is going to be ugly, Tony. It's ugly right now, and it doesn't look any prettier in six months. Well, you could have at least tried to to make it sound pretty. You didn't even try. 
Well, I apologize. But, you know, Tony, I got I, I to put one thing on the record before we leave. Sure. Indiana's da- gas tax is going up July 1st to 61 cents a gallon. 61 cents. That's a, almost a 50% increase before the pandemic started. So you, so you do favor the idea that Governor Holcomb and the General Assembly should get together and either lower, suspend, or repeal the gas tax altogether? Yes. Because state taxes do not cause inflation if they're reduced. Reduce the gas tax. Eliminate in Indiana. We're the fourth highest diesel tax rate in the country. How does and that we're work? The crossroads of America. That is silly. How, how does it work that on the federal side it can explode inflation, but on the state side it doesn't add to inflation? Because the state government can't print money. All the state government does is take a dollar out of your pocket and put it back in your pocket. That's not printing of money. They just shuffle the money around on the table. So they can't cause inflation. The federal government is the only one that can actually cause inflation because they're the only ones that can print money. So you, if, if you're advising Governor Holcomb, which I don't know if you do or, or you don't do, if you're advising the General Assembly, you're like, just get this done. And we already know that Biden is going to start pressuring the states. Uh, did, did you like the, the send back of cash from Holcomb? Hey, everybody gets back another $225. We're going to take a billion dollars from the surplus because it's your money anyway and give it back to you. Did you feel that that was in any way helpful? I liked it. It was not helpful. Did it add to inflation? Um, no, it was irrelevant to inflation because, again, the state government can't cause inflation. I'm glad he sent me money. By the way, if anybody wants to send me money, you got my Twitter feed. Just send right. me money. I want cash. Send it you to me. You make the check out to producer Ari, and Ari will make sure that Dr. Matwell gets it. But it did, it did nothing. It was window dressing. It didn't cause inflation, thank goodness, but it's just window dressing. If he really wants to do something good, let's grow more stuff. You know how the state can grow more stuff? Get money back in your pocket so you can grow your business. Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis. Always good to talk to you, sir. We've got more. Keep it here, guys. I'm Tony Katz. Producer Ari sends me a story. And he says, I hate this guy, and I hate his face, and I probably hate his family, because this is ridiculous. I'm like, dude, what is this? It's about Chris Pratt. I'm like, stop it. This isn't some kind of religious thing, is it? And he's like, Tony! That's because that's what he says. I can't actually get to the register producer already speaks in. I just don't have that. Uh, my range is only uh, so good. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. This is Chris Pratt. Admittedly, you're upset by this. Yes, yes, very much. Chris Pratt reveals a list of 10 coming-of-age films that he will watch with his 9-year-old son on their 10-day camping trip. First, good on you for taking a 10-day camping trip with your kid. I would never do uh, such a thing because I'm just not going to camp for 10 days. Uh, But I think that's great. Spend time with your kids. It's very, very important. So he's got the list. I am going to read off the list. And then producer Ari will tell you why this is a good or bad pick for a nine-year-old on a 10-day camping trip. Are you ready? Go for it. Rambo First Blood. It's just, of all the movies to pick? That's his first one, too. Like, people are like, I can't believe you're showing a nine-year-old Rambo. You could show your nine-year-old Rambo. That doesn't bother me. But, like, that's not a, that's not even a great movie. Yeah, I don't, Rambo would be nowhere near my top ten list. Dumb and Dumber. Again, good movie, but like not the funniest movie of all time. No. 
That also was not in the first movies I showed my kids, although he does have a couple that are in the first movies I showed my kids, and one which I clearly need to show my kids and I and 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 I and that's on me. White Fang. I never, I never saw White that. Fang. I don't know. I don't know what White Fang. It's it's a story about a dog or about a about a fox. What, what what's going on here? I don't know. That's the point. If I haven't heard of it, it's not worth watching. I don't. I don't think that's. I don't think that's, that's the right, standard. Ari. I said it. And I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I'm push on that one. I mean, coin flip. Fine. Right. Uh, number five on this list is Rudy. No. Nah, Rudy's a good movie. It's 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 good because people say it's good. Oh, stop it with your face. You live in Indiana, and you're going to say that Rudy isn't good? Hoosiers is better. Ooh. Oh, we're going to save that to tomorrow, Producer Ari. That, we're going to lead with that question, or we're somewhere. One of the hours, we'll lead with that question. Hoosiers or Rudy? <gasps> you, can get, you can create civil wars in families <laughs> with yeah, that's that a question. Hot one. Oh my God! Um, Toy Soldiers is on the list. I never. I don't know the movie. Eh, it's whatever. You're you. You don't. There's. Do you have your own list? I don't have ten, but I certainly have movies I'm going to show my kid one day. All right. So that was number six. Number seven is Red Dawn. Again, eh. That should have been on my list. Red Dawn's great. It's a good movie, but like to sh- like to say this is the movie of my youth and my childhood. Like Red Dawn, you're sticking with that. Well, yeah, except I I wouldn't have shown it to my nine year old. Oh, I mean, 13? that's a personal choice. That's a Thirteen year old kid, sure, no question. Nine year old, I'm not so sure. Just like his next one, Bloodsport. Bloodsport is that Jean Claude Van Damme? Yeah, it is. Um, is that the one where he does the split? He does that in every movie. Is that the one? <laughs> is that the one where he goes ah? Is it that one? Yes, it's that's the one. You should have seen the facial expressions I was doing. That honestly, this show needs to be live streamed twenty four seven. Number nine on this list is Crouching Tiger. Eh. So he means Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, right? Yeah, I mean, it's entertaining, but like by far not even remotely considered on my list. So far of the nine that I've read, there are two where I'm like, he, he's right. Rudy and Red Dawn. And then there's number 10. And I, I will admit, nine is not old enough. You need to be a little bit older to really enjoy all the nuance. Monty Python, the Holy Grail. That's not a bad pick. That's a, a winner. Uh, I waited until uh, I, again. I waited till thirteen. Absolutely, Monty Python, Holy Grail, Monty Python, Meaning of Life, Monty Python, Life of Brian, which is the best of the three. Fight me, bro. Monty Python and the Life of Brian is such a. You, you can almost visualize people doing uh, the quest for the Holy Grail or playing on, on, on riffs on the skits and meaning of life. You, you could see that. Life of Brian is thinking so far out of the box that no one has come close. That's how good that movie is as a complete film. Monty Python and the Life of Brian is a knockout. Holy Grail is just a must watch. Is just a must-watch. I did, however, uh, for for my kids, um, uh, waiting for Guffman, 
uh, Best in Show and A Mighty Wind. That's a Did you ever see those movies, Pretty Sorry? No? I mean, I, I not would have not, not I would not have guessed that, no. What would have been on your list? To show my kids one day? Yeah. Anchorman for sure. And this is why my kids are going to be great. Uh, Spaceballs probably. Oh, okay. Yes. Spaceballs. That's a perfect nine-year-old movie. Spaceballs should have been on this list. That is a perfect movie for a nine-year-old. You know what? I'm going to go watch that movie right now. Forget the rest of the show. I'm Tony Katz. May the Schwartz be with you.